3: plushcare.com slash weight loss. I
0: need some time to think about this. It's just a place to get shelter.
4: No, and like, there's not even time to like, think about it. I know that Rob likes ruins. In my
0: fiction,
5: orcs don't exist in Mazdaka. I guess Doran's a little bit torn here.
4: God, if I had 10 minutes. He collapses to his knees.
0: And it is so. Why do you want to keep this.
4: This situation sucks so much Jack doesn't even flinch at destroying this lovely tapestry from a culture he's been studying. Krennoth's gone. What? What? Krennoth isn't there. Come on.
5: Welcome back to Dice Shame. Episode 119 Lie in Ruins.
2: MVP this week is Gray, who's been hanging out with us on Discord and is also one of our incredible Patreon supporters at the Undefeated level. Thanks so much for spending time with us, Gray.
5: Thank you, Gray. Looking for a new D&D addiction? Check out our friends at Planet Arcana, a tightly edited, tarot-flavored, retro-futuristic D&D podcast, which is home-brewed and served to you by two DMs. It's a fun, emotional, humorous journey with a retro-futuristic veneer. So check them out today at Planet Arcana on Instagram and Twitter.
2: All right, should we play some D&D?
3: Let's do it.
2: I almost can't believe it, but Harlan and I are going to be married. <gasps> it's coming up so super super fast. Can I know. you believe it? What
4: are you most excited about?
2: Oh, God. Pick one thing. Honestly,
4: just... Well,
5: I would say for me, being around a large number of people that I love tremendously and getting to feel a sense of normalcy in like years of not getting to do that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be an outside gathering. So we're looking forward to that happening without a hitch. Yeah. For sure. What
5: about you? What are you most looking forward to? Except for one Um, hitch.
2: (laughs) Well, oh yeah, I, us getting hitched Will Smith. Good. Oh. good job Alex <laughs> <laughs> And Will Smith I'm most excited about The ceremony, I think Harlan and I just had a meeting with the officiant To to write some of the ceremony And I got all weepy
3: You got um, weepy? Drew, but you get weepy no. <laughs> oh, a lot of things. Joe's like, oh, a bird just flew by <laughs> Shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> It's because I love you, it's okay I know, I know It's good to make Um, fun. (laughs) So our
2: venue is one that is kind of conducive to like a specific theme, which has led a lot of friends and family to ask us if we're having a themed wedding. So I wanted to know if you guys had ever been to a themed, like a wedding that wasn't Wedding. How is it
3: conducive though? Because
5: we're getting married at a pioneer village. (laughs) Right, right, right. People are
2: like, are you going to be churning butter the whole time? (laughs) (laughs) Costumes (laughs) involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: yeah. Ours is not themed. (laughs) No. (laughs) Although we've told a select few people that it is. So that's
3: going to be fun.
2: (laughs) Have you guys ever been to a themed wedding?
3: No. Unless the wedding was wedding themed.
2: (laughs) It's fair. I think it kind of takes. It takes a little bit of uh, courage Mm -hmm. to assume that your guests are going to want to come dressed up as like elves and shit. Well, actually,
3: Mm -hmm. okay, I've been to a few interesting weddings. One was a um, wicker wedding? Is that? Wiccan? Wiccan. Thank you. A wicker. <laughs> oh,
2: Alex,
4: you sweet boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Maybe I <laughs> should have Googled it before. <laughs> Everyone's in wicker chairs. And it's just like, <laughs> the
5: bride's <laughs> wearing like a wicker skirt. And they're just like, okay, everyone, it's a wicker <laughs> wedding. Alex shows up to the Wiccan wedding and he's holding like a wicker got like, a arm piece. And he's like, oh, did I misread the invitation? <laughs> <laughs> I thought
3: you said wicker. Just a basket. Oh, Fucking that's good. cornucopia. It's
2: Wiccan.
5: Wiccan. Yes.
3: That's cool though. You went to a Wiccan wedding. (laughs) Yeah.
2: What was that like? Was it Um, wicked?
3: It was very interesting. It was um it was in the fall, Mm -hmm. the late fall, and everybody was like barefoot. (laughs) So it was sort of like and it was outdoors. So it was a little bit interesting and cool. Yeah. And everybody was wearing very well, when you said people coming dressed as elves, Mm. like people working, like it's very much like how you might dress if you were definitely on that
2: edge
5: right because it's very like sort of uh -hmm. how would
2: you define that whimsical yeah
5: yeah that's a good way to put it like a lot of like jewels like um crystals a lot of crystals no
3: much more much more down to earth like like no no i mean like like healing crystals like quartz not like right yeah gaudy no 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 no, i know but a lot yes yeah well definitely some stone like gemstone type graded
2: I'm sure it depends on the Wiccan as well, yeah, right?
3: but this was it was very interesting. The bride wasn't wearing white. she was wearing like nothing dark green, It's just naked, like <laughs> velvety material, and like a nice. that'd be cool and like a a wicker uh ah. woven ah. type style hat that's uh, why you got confused. Head piece yeah,
2: uh-huh. a wicker hat. <laughs> did
3: it make you want to play d and d?
2: Yeah,
3: it did. it did. And then the other wedding I was at, which was not really, again, not really themed, but that they were both really into video games. Weird. And so, like, they had an N64, like, hooked up. Oh. Right there in the, the ceremony room. During the ceremony? <laughs> so, like. <laughs> and then the was groom like, was just playing, it was and like, the bride is
5: like, <laughs> David. And he's like, hold on. i are going to no-scope this guy.
4: i always wanted to get... Married with the theme of GoldenEye in the background. Yeah, yeah. Slappers only.
3: (laughs) But that was the only time that they weren't. Playing was during the ceremony, (laughs) so it was interesting. The the bride and groom as well. Oh yeah. Oh, interesting. And everybody was there was like, hey, hey, we
5: get to play. Hey, I mean,
0: to each their own. Were they playing video games the whole time, or was everybody
3: everybody everybody was? They had
5: like multiple, and they had like just one. Yeah, no, was it just those (laughs) two? We're just they're all just watching
4: them play. The wedding was the excuse to have the giant round robin tournament, really. That they always wanted. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's fine. There you go. Your seat comes with an assigned place in the bracket.
5: Whoever wins gets to
3: marry. (laughs)
2: Would you say that that was the most memorable wedding you'd ever been to, Alex?
3: As a guest? Maybe.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. no, of course. (laughs) uh,
3: Hold on. What alternative was there? (laughs) The most memorable was my own. As the groom?
2: That's a good point. (laughs) I would hope your own would stand out amongst the crowd of weddings. Where?
3: Which one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of good ones. Have you ever been
5: to a Renaissance fair? And I have to ask. I guess Rob,
4: <laughs> because I know Alex and Justin. Haven't. No, dude. I don't. I don't think I have. Oh, I we
2: got to go to a Ren Fair, guys.
3: I love how you just shortened that. Yeah. Unless I'm totally wrong, Justin, I there don't mean is, to disclude you.
0: No, no, I haven't. But there is one yeah. in Quebec that I have been oh. looking into going to. Yeah,
5: I've seen it um, at uh, Arms mm. Length. Remember, Alex, when we did our and they fight with it's in Montreal they fight with swords yeah. and shit
0: yeah and like bows
5: well the,
4: the society of creative anachronism is different yeah, than a yeah it's not
5: renaissance a renaissance fair. fair it's just a big fight
4: cuz I, I have, there was a society of creative anachronism in moose jaw and there i think there was some like i remember they had set up a ring of like staged sword fights and stuff on main street during some fair or something but that wasn't like a renaissance fair where everybody's going and and is dressed such that we all feel we're you know of the time or something, right? Which is what I sort of pictured when somebody said Renaissance fair.
0: Yeah, I guess this one in Quebec isn't a Renaissance fair, but it is like a D and D themed LARPing festival. Ooh. Oh. They have like an entire town that is like they've got like a blacksmith and bakers and all these sorts of you know D and D trope that places. Awesome. And then yeah, then they LARP in the forest and have these competitions and uh, cool. Um, it looks really like immersive. Okay, that's different
5: than what I'm thinking of because there's another thing. Oh, the Knights and Warriors of Mount Royal. That's what it is. Every Sunday afternoon from April to October in Montreal, they all go to Mount Royal and they and it's like they have fake weapons, foam weapons, but there's like a word for them. Boffer? Sure.
2: Wiffle bats.
5: Kind of. They have fake weapons that are all sponge, and they just beat the hell out of each other. And it's sort of like people call it a LARP, but it's not really, because most of them aren't really dressed up in garb. They're just running around with shields and swords whacking each other.
2: Wasn't there a movie about this?
5: They they talk about it. It's not in Montreal, but they do a similar thing in role models. Yes, which is very funny. But that's just, I think, a straight up LARP. It's but, a good movie. That's wicked. But I I think Dice Shame goes to a Renaissance fair. I would totally do like a proper. I uh, see the thing with me is I want to either be totally immersed or not really at all. Like I I would hate to do a half-in yeah, where some yeah. people are acting and there's like pickup trucks over here. I would love to go somewhere legitimately and sort of fade away and kind of feel like I'm somewhere else. That would be really appealing to me. Me too.
4: Mm-hmm. There was a lot of those destination LARP kind of things that are becoming a big thing before the pandemic. Or it was like, oh, we've rented out a castle and now you get to go be vampires in a castle for a weekend. Or yes! Yeah. Yeah. Could you
5: imagine?
4: Oh! <gasps> Even Disney's in on it, because then their new cruise is like, you go, you get your Star Wars clothes and you go become a Jedi for a weekend or something. That would
5: be neat. I would love to get on a cruise or something and have it just be like a week-long murder mystery where everyone's in character. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, how cool would that be? To do something that you just kind of like get to fade away for a week, like fully immerse yourself until you go back in your room. It's the only time you sort of get to break character. That's like Westworld.
3: Mm -hmm.
5: I don't think I could do that. You don't think
3: you could do that, Alex? I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could come back to reality after that.
5: Oh. <laughs> it's so fragile. You just stay away. Oh, you'd,
2: you'd get lost Karma's in Karma's just like,
5: yeah, Alex went to one of those murder mystery cruises. <laughs> he never,
4: I mean, never came back. I
2: had a husband at one point, but <laughs> it it, took off, I don't know huh? where he went.
4: <laughs> He's never been the same since.
3: Alex left for space last week. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs>
5: well, let's do one. Dice Shame goes to blank blank. Some awesome... A uh,
0: Bicoline. Bicoline. Fantasy live combat experience. It's in a duchy. Let's do it. It's in a duchy like a donut? I don't know. It's someplace. Like a a bit of land. I love a duchy. Oh, it's in the duke.
5: Or duché. The duché. Yeah. I love it. Let's do it. We'll know the rules too because we'll be like, oh, ah, yeah. ah, no, sorry, your movement's only 30 feet. Yeah. And we'll have uh, to be like, what?
0: No, it's not what it is. Us us yeah, tall people know. will have an advantage. How do they get, get? I, I don't know. I, I haven't LARPed. Have you guys LARPed? No,
4: not, not like that with the
2: costume. Not and like that. I've done a little bit of LARPing. Yeah, we've not... done, like,
5: for your birthday, Justin. Mm-hmm. That, but that's not, like... Yeah, yeah. But, but that's that not... was...
0: I mean, like, the technical rules of LARPing, where, like, everything has to be, like, you have to make sure... It's just
2: live-action role-play. As long as you're doing a, lot, like, a role-playing game where you're actually standing up and enacting your movements, that's a lot. Yeah, LARP. but
0: I'm
5: with Justin. Oh, yeah, like, how do you... Like, okay, so if somebody hits you with a sword in the arm, are you, like, dead? Do you lose the arm? Like, there has to be some rules. What are of the course. mechanics? The mechanics, yeah. It
4: depends on... On which which one you're doing? I think they've all got that's what I mean. Like, yeah,
2: different role playing games that you are just sitting around a table for have different mechanics too, right? But that doesn't mean that because you're not playing one genre that you're not playing a role playing. No, no,
5: agreed. But I think what Justin is sort of referring to is like the LARP in terms of like if there's a D and D to RPGs, what is the to LARP? You know what I mean? Like, what is one of the most predominant LARP mechanics or rules? Because I would imagine that people who get heavy into this stuff, there is, like, a common rule set. Like, we, we most most people that play role-playing games, at least from the circles that I've talked to, are like, oh, do you do Pathfinder, or do you do D&D, or do you do Suede? Like, those are sort of the big three mm-hmm. in my groups of people. Like, I'm wondering if LARP has an analogous option.
3: Analogous?
4: What's Suede? Yeah, what is Suede? Savage Worlds. Oh, Savage Worlds. Oh, interesting. No, I, I mean... Yeah, I guess I haven't played that game. I mean, long I'm reading
2: to... combat rules here and it's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. The body's divided into six hit areas that have one hit point each arm, leg, trunk, and the head, including the neck. <laughs> the eyes, nose, mouth, and genitals can't be targeted. And then there's, like, rules for weapons, right? All weapons of 112 centimeters or more must be held with two hands. Spears must have a mark 50 centimeters from the pommel, delimiting a zone where you're limited to the presence of a single hand. There's, like, all of this, like, combat rules, and there are marshals on the the combat field.
5: Referees. Making
2: sure that, like, you're playing fair, right? Which makes
5: sense. (laughs) <laughs> it is
2: forbidden to fake death.
5: Oh, really? It is forbidden to fake You
2: are allowed to death. carry one indestructible shield. That's cool.
5: Nice. That's fun. This, yeah. this is kind of getting me excited. You kind get of getting me a little amped up, right? Pieces of
2: armor protect the wearer by adding non-cumulative armor points, and only the specific area that's covered by the armor is protected. Ah. A hit area can never lose more armor points than the value of its highest type of protection. You so know, you I have like, that because... armor on you that... W- as it gets hit, like, it falls off. But you know
3: what's discarded. cool
5: about that, too, is, like, in D&D or something, you know, like, analogous to that, we spend money. But we don't really have to, like, scrape and earn that. But, like, if you're showing up to a LARP with armor.
0: That you, you built. built it.
5: You're like, no, no, I'm in my garage duct taping it. Or you're spending real money towards it. Either way, there's definitely, like, an actual cost of either time yeah. or money that yeah. you are putting into this advantage,
3: which is kind of a cool idea. So, you ever you ever, has ever played paintball? Oh, yeah. Like, paintball is a pretty cool, like, it hurts enough that like, no, you never, don't want to get hit. I've never either. Um, number two is, like, it leaves a mark. So, there's, like, you're hit or you're not, right? And if it skims you, you know, you can kind of lie about it, right? There's, like, the, that trust... <laughs> But there's that trust factor too, like you don't, you don't, you trust people not to lie if it doesn't mm-hmm. explode, right? But imagine you had foam LARPing weapons that like once, if you hit somebody, it like doesn't obviously cut off your arm, but it hurts enough, like a like a stick wrapped in foam, it's going to hurt enough, but also if it, if it was like spongy and filled with like an ink of some sort so that you could see, like imagine getting hit with an ink filled thing enough that it will and leave a red I've, slice on your arm.
4: Organizing events is just such a thankless task that to imagine like more than five people trying to pull in the same direction on that kind of thing with all of that stuff on top of it, man, is that seem like a, a mountain to climb? I much respect mm-hmm. to the people That's who who organize. And then those. there's
3: things that you don't necessarily think about. Okay, and and, and I'm going to bring in a little bit. Of, uh, on the inside here I, I, I working in the insurance world uh, i got a call a couple of, i got a call a couple years ago from this young lady who was i remember you telling me about this yeah actually. who was setting up uh like a larping event i couldn't get the this person insurance right i was like okay well you know we, we kind of went everywhere and it do, they, they weren't able to afford what i could get
4: well, I think that's what makes a lot of like event organizing really challenging. Is even yes, even like a exactly. convention or anything. You need to have insurance well, that's, for all of that shit. You brought up, you another brought up cost the
3: organization of... part and that's entirely it, you know? You brought it up. Rob Sorry. Which, by the way, our own liability insurance is up for dice shame and sorry guys, we gotta pitch in.
4: Uh can we start a GoFundMe uh, page? Man, actually? Jack really does need <laughs> some liability insurance. How what, he what kind of policy can does. you offer? Yeah. Uh, for for yeah, deals with know? the dark arts. <laughs> No
5: policy.
2: No
0: policy for you. Could I get some soul insurance? (laughs) Ooh.
2: It depends how many times you've gone down. I imagine your premium would go up if mm. you need. Could you reviving imagine? Reviving more. You frequently. go down
5: as an adventure. You're they revive you. and You're like fuck. My premium's gonna go up. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Can we? Can you guys just tell? Can you just give me heal potions? Don't don't do anything. Uh, do it off the books. Don't yeah, let's not put book, this yeah. through our yeah. providers. Let's yeah, just make yeah. this purely. <laughs> <laughs> look you want gold. I got gold. Next D
3: and D character.
4: I'm gonna be an insurance broker.
2: There'd be a whole freaking <laughs> temple devoted to insurance clerics. Are oh, you I mean, kidding? Uh, Maybe? There is part the, the of me that,
4: that is excited about that kind of world building in, the, in a of sick way. Of course you are. Well, so you and Alex put your heads together
5: and you create this, the first ever insurance-based RPG. Because I'll tell you, I have read a lot of RPGs. I don't think I've seen one with a mechanic built in about insurance TM, TM. in a mechanical way that's like unique to like I've seen insurance and in like sure like property like the way we have it in our world but I've never seen it beyond that into like a magic sense like magic insurance.
4: It sounds like in my mind it, it also goes very much to that to that like cyberpunk corporate whatever of like oh you can't you're living that's on the, the edge easy you're way. Out of the you know.
5: Right. But like I've de- we've definitely all seen that but I but there's never been like a medieval, right? Like I've never seen a different a, a medieval
2: of dystopia
4: that. which
2: is... When was the concept of insurance invented Alex? Oh,
5: in 1935 John Insurance came No, to- it was <laughs>
4: um
3: it was Did
2: they have insurance in the Middle Ages?
3: Uh no, it was around the time that they were doing worldwide shipping with boats. Because isn't it, uh, like
4: isn't it when you started getting the East India Company and all of that? Yeah, those when people of-
3: when people were sailing a lot and transporting goods around the world by big boat, mm-hmm. they realized that a pirate would steal his ship and they'd be out. Look how like, fucking serious Alex's face just got? I love it. He's like he's like okay.
2: You gotta find oh, no, the one thing but- for everyone that makes them drop all <laughs> fucking pretense and all of just their you stop drinking to cha- talk. <laughs> there's,
4: there's insurance in the. Code of Hammurabi in the ancient Babylonian empire. It's not our modern in-
2: All right. Thanks, Rob. What the
5: hell did Hammurabi know?
0: <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I've been to a Cambodian wedding, um, and that was cool.
2: Well, you certainly have been to a strange wedding in Fayroun. That's true. Oh, it's true. Yes, true. in the high forest. And yeah, who yeah, knows? Yeah. Maybe there'll be another wedding in the future. Play to find out. Should we get down to business?
0: Shale and. Yeah.
2: And Shale's molted self. Shale (laughs) and Shale's molted self. Shale and Shale's molted self. That's good. Yeah, I, feel like,
4: I feel like that would be like Red, Red We just somebody walks into Red's room and he's like oh got two of Shale's little molted shells he like dressed yeah. them Aww. up as dolls now he's got that's exactly Shale doll I shells
5: I feel like there's a I mean I don't think he's that dumb but I would love the idea of like him seeing finding Shale's molted shell and being like "I
4: there's two
5: and he's like thinking it's another version Aww. that got like born or like separated and then not realizing he's dead for that's a few nice, months that's moving. sad Or it's not dead, but you know what I mean. Things anyway.
2: Let's play some D and D. Woo! Heyo. The four of you climb out of the swift river, drenched and ice cold. The forest around you is dark, and the sounds of the combat you escaped are distant, masked by the rushing water and the blood in your ears.
1: Come on, get up, get up, get up! What
5: What the hell happened back there? What was, what was all that? That fire thing, that,
0: that wasn't the that wasn't the, the, the furnace, was it? I'm pretty sure it was. Kraloth has pushed himself up onto his hands and knees, and he slowly rises from the dirt and simply looks back towards where the action all occurred, a distant look in his eyes and some confusion as well, as he just stands there watching.
2: Kraloth, you don't feel the needling on your skin from the cold water. You don't feel much of anything at all, except for an exhaustion that threatens to overwhelm you. In fact, it's only the willpower given to you from your military training that forces you back up on your feet again. Your armor is so heavy. The effects of the Shield of Revival are starting to surface in your consciousness, becoming stark reality. Kraloth, you are cursed. You were killed not long ago and brought back to life by the magical shield you looted from the Hoprat Villa over two months ago. Maybe the shield itself is cursed. Maybe its previous owner, the Duchess, whom you murdered, has finally taken her revenge. Maybe you're tainted by the dark magic of the Shadowfell. What is now clear is that your body is forever changed. You are now Undead. Whoa.
0: Oh, shit. That's no good. I don't know if. I mean, that's cool. You're dead. I know. (laughs) Holy
4: shit. Mechanically
2: speaking, your hit point maximum is reduced by 25% permanently. (laughs) That's (laughs) not going to be good. Additionally, you count as an undead creature for the purposes of spells and effects, like turn undead.
3: Oh, my God. Holy and shit. at
2: night, this is cool, you can spend a hit die to move through solid objects as though they're difficult terrain. Interesting. Yeah, so
4: on Ooh. the plus side.
3: Kind of badass. Oh my god. That's wild. That's going to be very interesting. Yeah, of all people that have that useful. happen to,
5: Kraloth too, right? Who's so anti? Yeah, from. wow. Um, Holy
0: shit. I think Kraloth says something like, I need some time to think about this. Um, I, uh, excuse me for a moment.
5: Yeah, Red sort of stands back, uh, looks at his friend with a bit of a, of a curious and confused look after what's transpired, uh, but also trusting and understanding that if he needs the time, he can have it. And Red just sort of nods and says, uh, yeah, of, of course. Uh, whatever time
0: you need. Thank you. Huh?
4: Jack can hardly even look up at Crayloth. He's just got the this guilty feeling and the weight of the all the mistakes in their in their past, little bit on his shoulders. Listen, if
3: uh, if Crayloth uh, is going to, I guess just meditate uh, for a while, I, I guess uh, we should probably look for some sort of shelter.
5: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Look, Kraloth, don't worry about it. Let's just, we'll make sure that we can find a place nearby. Maybe make sure this area is safe. And Red sort of gives a nervous eye around to the woods that surround. Mm. You take your time. Don't worry about it, buddy. We we got it covered.
0: Kralof turns away from the group and begins to trudge through the woods over rotting logs and doesn't go very far. But when he gets a decent distance away... He collapses to his knees and he takes a deep breath and pulls out his holy symbol, the metal scale. He closes his grimy fingers around it and shuts his eyes and goes somewhere else. And I guess Red
5: heads off sort of into the woods a few steps, stops and turns back for Dorne and Jack, kind of recognizing that his friend needs the space. You know, I can see Doran maybe not getting it entirely, kind of being like, come on, Doran.
3: Come on. <laughs> well, and that's just it. Doran sort of stands there, and he's sort of like now feeling like he's being pulled in two directions. One half of him wants to stay beside Crayloth, But then the other part of him is like, well, we need, we do need to kind of keep moving. So I guess Doran's a little bit torn here. The best thing we can do is make sure this area is safe he pulls out his axe and and begins to kind of i guess fan out not following exactly red goes in a bit of a different direction than red
4: jack follows red when when he sort of waves him over and he's he's looking off into the darkness a, a little bit wide-eyed and frantic and and sort of agrees yeah, let's let's find some shelter we got we just got to find something let me clarify i'm not walking in a totally entirely different direction but more of like just slightly if you're going east i'm going north northeast and there's nothing you can do about it
2: it's like Red's going like 180 degrees and Doran's going like 185 degrees away.
5: Just to be difficult. Just
2: just like 40 feet away. Doran,
5: Doran, come over here. (laughs) Doran, you're going the wrong way. Just let's stick together.
2: Doran walks into the river.
5: (laughs) And I think when there's a quiet moment, Red again sort of just looks to his two friends with absolute defeat in his eyes, but also sort of pushing that aside for the moment, recognizing that his friend... Back there needs a moment. And he just says, look, let's just focus on the task at hand. Uh, We'll make sure this area is safe and and, and give him a moment and it's going to be fine. It'll be fine.
3: Yeah.
2: A short distance from the cold, rushing river in the moon shadows of the winter pines, a ruined stone archway stands stark against the snow. Beyond, several other shapes are partially hidden by the trees.
5: red sort of taking a bit of a lead from the others, crouches a little bit, and I'll just do a perception check. Mm-hmm. 15.
2: Red, you recognize this to be probably the ruins of a small building, and you don't perceive the movement of any creatures in the trees ahead of you.
5: It seems uh, quiet up ahead, but uh, there's some ruins, look. And Red sort of points them out as they're sort of, Juxtaposed against the grayness of the trees in a way that almost camouflages them to mm-hmm. an extent. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of picture them being so old, there's like frozen, gnarled roots grown through them.
2: These are very old, yes. Old enough
4: that we're seeing just like what used to be walls, not so much like any. That's right. Cool. Hey, I got historical knowledge actually, just to throw that for a.
2: I know that Rob likes ruins, <laughs> or Jack does.
4: Jack takes a moment to definitely enter the ruin so that he can mm. correctly ascertain its original purpose and determine its builders, whether they were dwarves, mm. elves, humans, yanti, or some other known race.
2: Mm-hmm. Cool, Jack. Your archaeological mind buzzes and whirs. Mm-hmm. The graceful lines of this architecture immediately belie to you their ancient origins. These are elven ruins, crafted in some forgotten time. You would estimate around a 1,000 years ago, um, though you would need to do some further study to be able to figure out an exact timeline. Mm-hmm. Large pieces of stone litter the ground, and they're capped in snow. This was at one point a dwelling or maybe a place of worship.
4: What do you make of the structure, uh, Jack? I think J- Jack stops for a minute as he as he runs his hand over the archway and sort of along the wall as, as he enters the space, trying to... To enter this crumbling ruin with a little bit of reverence for mm. for the lives that came before here and the and the sacred place it might have once been. It's funny to think these stones might be only one or two lifetimes old for an elf, but for folks like us, I guess it maybe it depends. Is that four dwarven lifetimes? Is that a mm. a dozen tabaxi lives? And here they're just mm. still here.
2: The surfaces of the stone are spoiled by more than just time. As you enter and explore these ruins, you notice marks of aggression here and there, chips and scratches from heavy blows of weapons. More than that, underneath the snow in places, you see handprints and writing in a careless, thick script that you cannot read, vandalizing the stonework.
0: Mm.
5: I feel like Red walks over and crouches down and brushes some of the snow off. It's a solemn mood between the three of us. Mm-hmm. I think we're doing our duty to secure the area, but what's happened just moments ago almost at the top of the river bend is weighing heavy in our hearts as we sort of go about our military-like duty in making sure this is safe. And
4: Well, here's the torturous point for Jack is like, a language I can't read. God, if I had 10 minutes, <laughs> if I had 10 minutes, I could wait to, to figure out what it said. But also at any moment, giants could be storming down that river bend towards yeah. us. So we we got to find somewhere safe.
5: Mm-hmm. I think Red runs his finger along the deep cuts in the stone and turns to Doran. What do you think? An axe
3: or a blade? Uh, hmm. Doran's going to take a moment and inspect I'd like to use my stone cunning here. I mean it Hell
2: yeah, you will
3: not much to do with the specific cut of the stone, but it will help. An unnatural twenty.
2: Hell yeah. Nice. You examine the cleft in the stone that red has pawed bare. Hmm. And then your eyes move further along the wall and you see hidden in snow a black fletched arrow pinning a carcass to the stonework
3: yeah and I kind of move my hand along where the cut was, and I'm brushing away mm-hmm. snow, and then like I touch this arrow and and then I step back and and it's clear there's like, you know, a set of bones of something yes. that was there sitting there, and I, I, I kind of take a step back. I'm not realizing that what I've stumbled upon suddenly. Oh,
2: you are wow. transported in your mind to some twenty years ago mm. when you fought creatures that would have desecrated ruins like this orcs specifically you Mm -hmm. recognize these arrows this vandalism yeah perhaps this was even done during that time the the desecration that you're observing here these blade marks are also worn by the rain and the carcass that you see pinned to the wall by an arrow is also very old
3: and as I'm running my fingers along the lines, the cuts out of the stone, and I touch the, the arrow and this skeleton corpse, my mind is flashing and I'm seeing, you know, a battle that took place here. Mm-hmm. Probably after these were already ruins.
2: Oh, yes, certainly. Man,
3: it seems like this area was at some point in time infested with orcs. Orcs? Nasty,
5: nasty individuals. We've been pretty lucky so far. Yeah. There was only a a score that we fought. Mm-hmm. At, uh back at well, I guess Don Glow now, isn't it? Yeah.
4: Grudhog had orcs. Were there? Mm-hmm. Oh
5: yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. They were so far away
3: at
4: Grudhog.
5: I was just picking them off with my <laughs> they never got even
4: close. But <laughs> your eyesight was very keen.
3: But is there any sign of any anything recent? Any recent movement around here are there?
2: Roll survival.
3: Oh, a natural one. Oh, <laughs> Shame it. For Shame, shame it. All shame right. it. It's my brand new metal die. Oh, it's the ones we bought you for Christmas. Don't,
4: shame it. Shame, Don't shame, shame it. Don't shame it. Done for. You get one roll out of that die, and then it goes away. That's merry <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> yeah,
2: you've already done so much walking around these ruins that your footprints in the snow may have removed any evidence that you could have seen. It's impossible for you to tell. I'm if no
3: uh, scout. I can't tell if there's anyone been around here, though I am concerned. Red... What are your tabaxi, I see? Are we, are we standing in a, a hot spot for... Hey, that was such a line of the Lord of the Rings. What do you elf, eyes see? Yeah. Oh,
2: I thought you meant hot spot. No, hot <laughs> spot is
3: definitely a Lord of the Rings.
2: Aragorn says that Aragorn, Aragorn, all the time. Yeah,
5: when he was like, hey, Legolas, look at all these hot spots. <laughs> are you getting Wi-Fi? <laughs> um, yeah, I got 16 on my survival track.
2: You don't notice any fresh footprints, Red, though rounding a corner... Behind some trees, you find a part of a ruined staircase. It leads up half a story, turning back on itself and ending abruptly in jagged planes of crumbled stonework. And hanging from the elegant stone railing, four rusted chains hang pendulous clumps of skulls bolted together by some roughshod ironwork. The lower part of the staircase leads down into darkness. Damn.
5: Uh. I don't know what to make of all this, Jack. Dorne? Yeah. I don't think I'd have any experience with orc customs. In my fiction, orcs don't exist in Mazdika. Or at least they're not native to that area.
2: And it is so. For and I it have, is so. For I have thought very little Let of your be be world. <laughs> uh,
5: no, but I feel like there's, you know, there's like gnolls in this world and yeah. like, you know, get Yankee. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... To me, to have them just everywhere all the time is kind of weird. So I feel like orcs are a very Forgotten Realms thing. For sure. Just in my own mind. I
4: mean, I... I think that might even be canon because they're weird aliens from another planet that crash-landed somewhere on this side instead of the other Githy side Yankee? of the Githyanki? No, Githyank no Githyank orcs. Or orcs are from another dimension. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of... Really?
2: Well...
3: Interesting. Anyway, Doran's army experience has told him that this is definitely orc and to hang skulls of uh, fallen enemies is like a sign of their taking that territory.
2: Yes. Oh,
3: looks like... Uh, They've tried to claim this area, at least at some point. That looks mighty old, though, as he walks up next to Red.
5: Yeah, I don't get the feeling that they're here.
3: No.
4: No, but maybe maybe it speaks to somebody using it for shelter at some point. Mm. Speaking
3: of shelter, what what's down there?
4: Who wants to go into the dark hole in the earth first?
5: Because <laughs> uh, I, I might as well keep an eye out here and make sure that nobody...
0: Oh, definitely me.
5: And Red longingly looks over his shoulder in the direction of Kraloth, just to see nothing from where they left him back there to shore. And he turns back. No, yeah, let's make sure this is
3: safe. It's sort of a weird feeling that a dwarf has. You know, most people look at staircase going down into darkness that they can't see past as some sort of fear. But with a dwarf, there's the excitement. I don't know what's going to be found underground. And admittedly, it does ignite a bit of a fire within me to say, oh, you know, I'm I'm definitely excited to get down underground and see what's mm-hmm. been created here. Roll around in the mud down there and yeah, <laughs> get real cozy
5: with something.
2: Goblin, why not?
4: I'm uh, right behind you, Doran.
5: Yeah, I'm behind both of you, but, you know, by like 15 feet.
2: You descend into blackness, your night vision adjusting to show the rooms before you in dim grayscale. This would have once been a beautiful corridor, with bas-relief carvings and stone wall sconces gracefully carved from a single piece of rock. Much of its splendor has been marred by destruction, the wall sconces bludgeoned to pieces and lying on the ground. Not even the flagstone paving under your feet has been left intact, showing the stains of misuse." To your left and right, tall archways lead to rooms beyond. What do you say?
5: Red says from behind at the top of the
2: stairs. (laughs) Well,
3: there's nobody here right now. You can come down. Look at this stonework. I mean, even I can appreciate when something is done nicely as he picks up one of the broken wall sconces.
2: How do you feel about elven uh, stonework compared to dwarven craftsmanship? Oh, it's Mm
3: -hmm. nothing in comparison. (laughs) (laughs) But...
5: Um, at he, the like, same time, he picks up piece and crumbles it in his hand. He's like drywall compared to the dwarven stone. For some reason, yeah. I feel like dwarven stone is like stronger. In your
2: head, you're like orcs would have never been able to knock off a dwarven that's, wall. exactly sconce. that's what I mean. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but even still, I mean, regardless of the feud that's continues between dwarves and elves, I share an appreciation for the stonework and the hatred of the destruction of it.
2: Mm, yeah.
3: Well. It looks like we've got sort of an open hall. Which way would you guys like to, to go? I think Red almost
5: bumps into the back of you as he reaches the bottom stair, like almost looking up. Oh, oh. sorry.
4: That's, good. That's okay.
5: <laughs> Whichever way you want to go, Doran. You, you know underground more than
3: Jack and myself. Let's go this way. Left.
2: You observe a large room flanked on each side by pedestals topped with statuary. Each of these statues has been beheaded. To your left, as you walk in, large masses are piled up against the walls, seemingly made from branches and leather. Openings along the floor suggest these masses were once used as shelter, making them appear tent-like. In the center of the room, a fire pit is constructed of strangely round stones and contains black ash. On the wall opposite the living tents, there is a painting of some kind. It's hard to make out from where you stand.
3: Mm. Doran walks up to the painting mm-hmm. to view that more. I'm going to keep an eye open for traps. Sure. And I'm just saying that because I want you to know that it is on my mind. So Doran's <laughs> kind of got it in his <laughs> mind too.
2: So when you get killed by a trap, you can be like, ah. Oh, Told you so. I knew it. Knew well, there was one. you
3: know, not only that. but <laughs> if Only we had a rogue.
4: I'm not, I'm not
3: necessarily <laughs> looking for them, but I am being mindful that there could be mm-hmm. traps. So maybe that gives me a cool. hand up and not stepping on a, you know pulse floor yeah
5: i think red will maybe dip his head into one of the tents
2: sure jack what are you doing
4: jack can't help but pause by each one of these beheaded statues and and Mm. say a quick prayer to the seldar and the gods of his mom and try and like figure out if he can see which of these gods it used to be that was so wonderfully carved out of stone and then desecrated like this there's Mm. there's a, a tragic element to it
2: absolutely This is your ancestry, right? Maybe someone who was once like one of your ancestors could have lived here, could have carved these stones.
4: And a thousand years isn't even that long ago for for Mm -hmm. elves. You know, there could have been in in another lifetime. This could have been a place, you know, it's not far from Silvery Moon from here. This could be an important part of his family story somehow.
2: Doran, as you observe this painting, the partially abstracted shapes resolve themselves into the image of a figure this painting was done with a far more careful hand than the graffiti outside less splashed on the wall and more intentionally drawn why don't you roll a perception check for me Mm. so we can figure out what you are able to discern
3: 17 hey
2: excellent this is a figure Probably female, with broad shoulders and hips, long wild hair, and whose arms are outstretched with very long claws extending about four feet on either side of the image. The art is brownish-reddish in color. And below the painting, at least 20 different bones, stripped of flesh, all sit in a pile.
4: Oh.
3: Mm. Well... That's disappointing.
2: Red, in the tents, you find discarded remains and a variety of belongings, potentially, that would have been discarded here by their occupants.
5: I walk over and just sort of pick through them.
2: You find a couple of interesting things. There's a collection of lumpy stones. You find... (laughs) Guys, I've had lumpy stones! (laughs) You find a dehydrated paw from some kind of large animal maybe a bear
0: oh i
5: like that
2: and a nest of baby pink mice that are so young they're just squirming oh
5: red grabs the dehydrated paw Mm -hmm. sort of looks at the small little pink mice for a second turns his head and then reaches into his bag and grabs his water skin and feeds them each a little bit of water tucks in the nest slightly and sort of almost to himself says it's gonna be okay stay safe, and uh, heads back out to join the others. Mm -hmm.
2: Jack, as you peruse these statues thoughtfully, you are unable to identify them until you come across the remains of the campsite, for it becomes apparent that the orcs who desecrated this place lopped off the heads of these deities in order to use them to line their campfire. If you bend down to investigate these heads further, you're able to identify some of the intermediary elven gods of wind, love, time, and nature. These are all figures that you recognize, but for some of them, you have to brush away ash and the remains of fat dripped from carcasses cooked here.
4: Mm. Jack kneels down around the campfire and picks up each one and... And sort of pulls the first head out and is like, Helene Selenil, the love goddess of the Elven pantheon, and Rilafain Ralathil, the god of nature. I, I don't think he like takes too many more of them out. There, there almost isn't like there isn't time to do what he would instinctually do, and so he
2: yeah, you there's no time for art restoration. No, right and now, like there, but... there's not even
4: time to like think about it. He just. Catches himself halfway through, like, falling into this pattern and stands up and, and walks beside Doran and, and says, do you find anything dangerous?
3: No, nothing dangerous. Just this piece of art. Look at this thing. Uh, it's certainly... Uh...
4: Yeah. What do you make of this, Jack? Jack looks up and winces at this putrid orcish figure, probably one of their goddesses. It doesn't matter, Doran. We gotta Let's go see what Red found.
5: Hmm. I think at that point, Red sort of joins. What the hell happened? The orcs desecrated this place, camped out, and and then drew this. Did you find anything useful? Mm, No. Yeah, nothing in there. A few odds and sods, but nothing really
3: worth taking.
2: You don't show them your bear paw?
3: No, that's for me. (laughs) We've got a fire pit here. Do we bother uh, lighting a fire? Or maybe we should
4: look at the other room first. Let's see what else is down here. Yeah, yeah. Jack kind of shivers thinking about this room and heads towards the next one as fast as mm-hmm. he can.
2: The idea of sleeping underneath the gaze of an orcish goddess, yeah, in a desecrated yeah.
4: temple doesn't doesn't feel great. After all the other bad omens that have been in there, like past mm. two days or past week, it's been a it's not a great moment to try and piss off the gods a little more. I think Doran senses
3: his disgust with this place, and Dorian kind of puts a hand on your back and says, listen, it's just a place to get shelter. It doesn't mean anything if we
4: sleep here. Yeah.
3: Maybe the other room will be uh, in a much better
4: shape. You're right. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it could be hexagonal.
2: The room across the hall has a circular shape. Hey! <laughs> uh,
3: those who joke alike.
2: Mm-hmm. Its ceiling is domed, and an aperture in the top is crusted in icicles and snow. It would appear that an air vent or skylight opens up directly to the outside. Mm. Four central columns once stood supporting the dome, but only two remain. The other two are crumbled to rubble and bear black stains on and around them. The perimeter of the room is decorated with frescoes that have been irreparably smeared with filth and ruin. And a huge fire pit dominates the center of the room, at least 10 feet across. There is one further tent-like area, similar to the sleeping tent from the previous room, piled up against the far wall, though larger than those. Stepping
4: into this room, Jack stops and almost gasps for a minute as he's mentally transported to a place in his youth where where his mom took him once. Not, not this place, but a fire like it where... Surrounded by elven art and having a cultural moment for him. And there's there's just something shocking about seeing a place like that. So familiar and yet so destroyed.
5: And I think Red, seeing Jack sort of react that way as he enters the room. Red sort of takes a second and walks over to Jack. And he's like, let me borrow the decanter for a second.
4: Yeah, sure.
5: And Red walks over to one of the frescoes and turns it on to like power wash away some of the filth <laughs> mm. on the fresco just sort of yeah, like buffing it up a little bit this
2: is like fucked up nasty drawings they're lewd drawings that overlay the artistry underneath
5: and after blasting away the first red turns to jack and he's like doesn't mean we need to leave it this way just because they decided to we can do better and he starts
3: blasting the next one you know, not even goblins desecrate places like this. This is disgusting. As he walks up and touches the wall, you know goblins are actually
5: quite uh, quite clean, and uh, you know, you know uh, goblins are are really quite pretty in a certain light too. Like he's like suddenly trying to justify his marriage. He's you like, by it. the way, exactly. I know what you think about
3: goblins, but that's exactly uh... what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> From deep in the back of the room. A shuffling, stumbling sound precedes the emergence of a small form, pale and chubby, with two hopping legs and a gaping maw and little else. It gurgles a little caw at you and hops forward, a stream of saliva hanging from between its lower teeth. Red and Doran, you recognize this to be one of the same creatures that you fought at the Cindergather mansion. And it hops toward you, Clearly hungry.
5: Red drops the decanter and in a flash draws an arrow and sings it through the thing's open mouth as it jumps up towards you, pinning it to the outside of the tent in one swift move. He sort of holds the position of having just fired the bow with his hands open and then
3: breathing heavily turns to the others. (sighs) You beat me to it. As Doran's already got his axe out and he's been running towards you, The look on his face is a little bit like you stole his thunder from.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Red walks over and pulls the arrow out with the thing still attached. It's the size of a chicken. He sort of holds it up and uh, shows it to the other two again. It's these things again. Fuck. And he throws it down. Might be easy to kill, but there's always more than one. This whole area is tainted.
4: Being the first time Jack gets a look at a a Mm fresh-ish one. Um, can I take a look and just see if I recognize anything about it or if any, any piece of it rings any bells with anything he's read to, to learn a little bit more about what the heck it is?
2: Yes. You can roll a history check if you like.
4: Let's do it. 24.
2: Even with a 24, Jack, there's not many parallels that you can draw between this creature and anything else you've ever seen apart from perhaps... The piece of a creature that Red had presented you after returning from the Cindergather mansion, Mm -hmm. and maybe one other creature, which is that tall imposing monster that just slayed Kraloth. In that, leaking from the arrow wound that Red punctured it with, wisps of shadow and smoke begin to emanate.
4: Huh. Jack sort of leans down and there's, there's a, a lot of horror on his face and, and it's matched just underneath it With a level of curiosity As he pulls out his wand And pokes at the creature for a second It's this fucking area, Jack mm-hmm. We
5: saw these same things at Cindergather We saw the same things in the woods The, the hunger, this, this whole area is tainted Not to
3: be burned to the ground Yeah I mentioned earlier that the place to stay Is just a place to stay yeah, we, can't, we can't sleep here No, no. these things are
4: foul Red, do you have any cloth or anything to wrap this thing in?
5: Of course. Red pulls out the tapestry that he took from the barbarians from the wall of the cavern. Yeah, the and, great worm tribe. Yeah, and unravels it. And he's like, yeah, just tears a piece of it.
4: <laughs> uh,
5: so, wrap it up.
2: Uh, so You know the
4: what? What what? This situation sucks so much. Jack doesn't even flinch at destroying this lovely tapestry from from a culture he's been studying for a lot of his mm-hmm. life as he wraps up this this ugly little monster.
5: It won't go to waste, Jack. Don't worry. The the rest of it all uses as toilet paper.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I think Doran's kind of watching this happen going, "Why do you want to keep this?
4: This this isn't from our world. There's only two people in in the realms who I know who know a lot about things that aren't from here. One's my dad in Waterdeep, and the other is my mom in Silvery Moon. They're the only ones I know who might have an answer about what the hell this is. Because I don't i don't think they've been around here before.
5: All right, well, let's keep it safe if we need to. And Red goes in the bag of holding and stashes it somewhere secure within there. Mm-hmm. Look, this place isn't safe. Doran's right.
4: No. Jack turns to where Red had power-washed one of the frescoes and sees... Erevan Lisseri, the god of trickery, mischief, and rogues, and thinks, that's kind of appropriate. Just just a little bit of a smirk on his face before he heads out of the room with the, with the rest of them. Well, let's keep looking, I guess.
5: Yeah. Well, you know what? We've been a while, and, and we're not that far from the Sky Pony uh, burial mound. Let me, let me just make sure no one's on our tail. And I'm yeah. going to do primeval awareness for a second with a five-mile radius well within the limits of the shore that we're only a little bit away from, just to see if I can detect any humanoids or giants.
2: hmm You do detect two giants at the far north.
5: <sighs> Damn, giants. I think we might need to move, guys. We-
2: However, you also do not detect any humanoids within a five-mile radius, apart from the two companions that you are standing directly beside
5: krayloth has gone. What? What? Kraloth isn't there. Come on. Gone. We gotta go. And Red bolts back to the shore at breakneck speed.
2: You make your way back through the darkness to the banks of the river, where you find Kraloth sitting on a rock, staring into the rushing water. Kraloth! Kral-
0: hey, guys. Is it safe?
5: What? Is everything all right? Yeah. So he's here?
2: Yeah, he's just sitting there.
5: Okay. I think Red is just sort of frozen for a moment,
3: confused. Listen, let's 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 keep it down. Let's keep it down. Let's keep moving. We got to we've got to continue south here. They're, they're they're too close and they got, Yeah, yeah.
4: We got to get a little further. We just need space to get a breath. uh uh-huh.
3: There's some giants to the north. Come
5: on, everyone. Let's uh Let's start getting some distance between us and them.
4: Yeah, I think Jack's trying to keep it quiet and, you know, make sure he's got Doran and, and Kraloth right with him. Okay.
2: And you walk off into the dark woods together, looking for a place to rest and plan your next move.
5: Thank you once again to our wonderful Patreon supporters Christopher Ryan Evans, Merlin Mitchell Candwell, Michael and Brianna Weber, Colin Burkhart, Daniel Doug, Jessica Orritt, Jonah Goldman, Melanie Shen, Lars, and Mari Kaniski. See you soon!